Listen to the good news proclaimed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at the 19th verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the gospel of Christ. Let's pray as we stand. Lord, we pray that you speak your word into our hearts, the message that we need to hear, Lord, that we can hear it above our own message, above our own thoughts and our own desires. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Please have a seat. Managing our money. It's a, it's a big topic, and it's an important topic. You get a lot of seminars. I don't know if any of you have been to them, but there are a lot of them around. Billy Graham whom I'm sure most of us have a lot of respect and time for, he said this, he said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in their life. That sounds pretty important. How are we managing our money? How are you managing it? How are you managing it according to kingdom principles? Alan spoke last week about doing the will of God. To be in the kingdom you, as Christians, we need to be under the rule and reign of God. And that's fine in some areas, but it cannot exclude our back pockets. Our back pockets also need to be under the rule and reign of God. And I'm going to look at three points. So we, had, we covered Old Testament, we covered the epistles, and we covered the Gospels. So we're going through the whole of Scripture this morning. And there's three key financial principles that I want to highlight this morning. And they seem pretty straightforward. They're about stealing, they're about spending, and they're about investing. And the first one is do not steal. You think, oh, that's, that's pretty straightforward. I'm doing okay. If I came this morning and I accused one of you of stealing, you'd probably take offense. And that's what happened. Malachi, the first reading we had, the, um, the Israelites, he came to the Israelites with the words of God, and they were going to church regularly. They were fasting. They were giving money, and the words he had to say to them were, this is what God says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. It's a very clear message there. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. They were robbing God because they weren't bringing the whole tithe in. Some of you might say, well, what's a tithe? I've no idea. There's a biblical principle. Same as we've got a week and one day is holy to God, the Sabbath. In the same way, our money, one-tenth of it, God says, is holy to him. It's to be brought to the church for the work of God. But why the stealing? You say, I work really hard. I get up at whatever time. I do my hours. 
It's my money to spend. But God's got a different view. He says the entire world belongs to him. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the people and all who dwell. Everything we have is God. God. It's like Steve when he, you know, he buys a roll of sweets for the girls and one of the girls and there are ten sweets in it. And he says, oh, can I have one? They like slap his hand and like, that's mine, mine. And they're eating it and, you know, he gets like half of the last chewed one when they've had enough sugar. I think we can be a bit like that with God. With, he's given us these ten sweets and we give a bit of the last chewed one what remains, the leftovers. The rule and reign of God needs to extend to our back pockets. There was a, a man and a minister. They once made this covenant together, and there'd been a message on, on tithing, and they were, um, weren't earning a lot of money. And they made a, a commitment before God that they would tithe. So the first year, the, the man, he earned 10,000 rand. So he tithed once, tithed 1,000 rand over the year. The next year, Got a, got a good job and he earned 100,000 and he tithed 10,000. Then he started his own business a couple of years later and it took off. He made a million rand and he tithed very painfully 100,000 rand. The next year, business just boomed and it was 6 million rand he earned. And he looked at this and he was at the EFT doing his thing online. But no picked up the phone to the minister and said, I've got to meet with you, I've got to see you. And he said, I can't, I can't afford 600,000 rand. I can't tithe that much, I can't afford it. So the minister started praying. And he said, he's praying and praying. And they said, what are, you, what are you doing? Are you praying that I'll be released from this covenant? And he said, no, I'm praying that your income will be reduced to such a level that you can tithe again. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say you must tithe when you're wealthy. It doesn't say you must tithe when you're poor. It just gives us that principle. It doesn't say tithe when you're happy with the minister and the leadership and you think the flowers are really cool and you like the songs we sing on a Sunday and da, da, da. You might think that's a bit crazy. Believe you me, I know people who have decided, okay, the minister's not on the, or they've had an argument with this person in leadership, let's reduce the tithe because they're sulking. It can happen. It the Bible doesn't say tithe only when the church is really struggling. You know, Steve and I are really blessed and that at the moment our offering plate is from mass discounters, not from St. Margaret's. That we don't have to take a cent out of the church, that we can use all that money for, for God's work. And that's, that's a real blessing for a season. But we should have so much abundance because of that. It's not to say, oh, okay, well, we don't have to pay them so we can reduce it. That's really important to realize. So often with giving, we focus on skimping. Oh, this is how much it's going to cost. Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to be hard done by. But God gives us a totally different picture. In that picture of Malachi, and you're going to see this coming throughout scripture, he says, God says, test me in this, that's bringing the whole tithe in, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. The picture of everyone in the church tithing. It's just an awesome picture of richness, abundance, and blessing. I haven't preached in the church. We haven't had the message on giving for a year and a half. 
It's a message that people often think, oh, I don't want to hear this. And I was really convicted by God the other day that I was stopping the blessing in people's lives by not giving that message of giving. Because as we give, God's message is that he gives in abundance back. I'm not saying, I've heard it on TV, okay, you need $10,000. Put your $1,000 phone now, go to the phone line, give your $1,000 and that $10,000, God will return to you tenfold. Okay, ignore that. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But God pours out his richness. He says you will be rich in every way. There's an awesome picture of blessing. That as we skimp, it goes on to say, it talks about the curse you under if you don't give the full tithe. And it says the blessing as we give the full tithe. It's a clear message. And if we're giving God the leftovers, there's a spiritual principle that God can't pour out his blessing on us as individuals, as a family, as a church. But as we, in obedience, give our tithe, then he can pour out in return. So it's an important message. That's the first principle that I want to give. And Graham Parsons, the rest of exec, will be delighted. But the important thing to note, it's not their message. It's not Graham Parsons' message as treasurer. It's God's word to us. So it's a challenging message to us. The second one is one about spending. Uh, what do we do with the remaining 90%? And we're going to go 500 years later, Paul's writing to the Corinthians. And you might recognize these words, even those who don't know scripture that well. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's that same principle. Reap generously. God commanded us. It's in obedience to him, but it's also for our own good. And Paul's talking in this letter, and he says, a chapter earlier, he talks about the Macedonian church. Now, the church in Jerusalem... They had been under persecution. They were really poor. And he's talking about the Macedonian church giving to the church in Jerusalem. Now listen to these words. He says, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, overflowing joy and extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And it says entirely on their own. They pleaded for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. I haven't had too many people plead with me, giving, oh, I want this privilege of sharing with the saints. I have had some. They didn't need a sermon. It just came from their heart. But there are two principles I just want to mention. Sowing generously is not about bankrupting ourselves. I've known people who have given so generously, but they haven't looked after their own family. That is not a biblical principle. And the second thing is, it's not about being guilt-driven. Okay, I must give to everyone uh, I see, and I must give everything away wherever. It's about sowing generously. If you think of a sower, they don't walk along a path sowing seeds on the path. There's a thought process. It goes, every person must give what they've decided in their heart to give. There's a decision process that goes into that giving. And then Paul says, I'm not commanding you about giving. But I want to test the sincerity of your love for Christ by your giving. Quite a statement. I want to test the sincerity of your love for Christ by your giving. He's using our giving as the acid test of our love for Christ. 
He said there's three kinds of givers. You first get those who are like a flint and you have to really hammer it to get out of spot. Then there are others that are like a sponge and you squeeze them and the water flows. And then there are others that are the honeycomb and the honey just flows out. And I think it's good to test ourselves. I want to be more and more like that honeycomb in my giving. Once again, Paul in this message, he talks about that abundance. He talks about not that we must just give an abundance. God gives it back. He says, he talks about as you reap generously, all grace will abound to you. And all things at all times, having everything you need, it's a bit excessive, you will abound in every good work. Not only will God supply what you need, but he will increase your supply. He will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. That is the picture. I mean, Jesus himself said, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be given to you. That's an awesome picture. Can you understand why in not talking about giving was actually removing the blessing and as one doesn't speak that word? Because God wants to pour out his blessing as we are challenged in our own lives to give generously. The third principle well, just to mention on that one, what's an important thing to say finally is that as we sow generously, not all seeds will reap. Not all seeds will grow. Some do fall on rocks. And it can be quite hurtful. You, you reap generously and nothing comes of it. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He gave himself for everyone. There are people who turn their backs on him. He still gave. And that's the message for us. The last point I want to wrap everything together with is about investment. And investment's really important. Investing in life insurance and medical. We get the message all the time. Education for your children or for your grandchildren or for whoever it might be, your great-great-grandchildren. Invest. Jesus spoke of investment. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've got one daughter, and she, yeah, we give our kids 20 rand pocket money a month. Uh, we've been giving that for the last few years. Hopefully it'll work out for the next 10 years. We can still give them the same amount of money. They haven't asked for an increase yet. But when we started a couple of years giving the 20 rand a month, she would spend it like this on junk, and nothing would come of it. So try to teach her to think about what she spends it on, maybe save it. Now she spends it just as quickly, but every single cent will be spent on someone else. She'll either give that money away or she'll buy something for someone else and give it. Her room, I'm now having to watch, her she piles up her clothes and say, Mom, these are to give away. These, and I'm like, okay, let me just slip that back into the cupboard because I want to keep some clothes in there. But it's just awesome to see. She, um, she got 300 rand just before, um, from a relative as a Christmas gift, but it was an early Christmas gift. And then on, on Christmas Day, Steve and I opened up, we got an envelope to the best mom and dad, happy Christmas, okay, lots of love in the child's name. And inside was her 300 rand, and it was to go out for dinner. And there were vouchers for, um, yeah, there was vouchers for a shoulder massage and all these things. And you know, we're meant to teach our children and be examples to our children. It's quite tough when you've got Irish blood and your child is being the example to you. And so I've been really humbled by it. 
And, if, you know, she might be getting rid of all the stuff and she might not have many treasures on earth. But boy, when she gets to heaven, I think those treasures will be there in full measure. And that's a beautiful picture because we look at our finances. We can spend money on sweets and coke and whatever it may be. Some of you might smoke cigarettes and DSTV and DVDs, whatever. <coughs> Maybe even the big things too that we see as important. Maybe those aren't as important in God's eyes. There's a challenge for us in terms of investing. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And Jesus gives a clear message about the reward, that we will receive reward in heaven for that which we have sowed on earth. I really pray that you take this message about giving away. I actually should have told you at the beginning because there were some things to fill in, but don't worry. For those who, who struggle to concentrate, you could have filled this in, but I didn't mention it. But you can always take it away. But on the back, um, you, you can focus even more on that, um, is a reflection on how God's spoken to you. And then there's for something for at home, between you and God. Now, message often strikes you now and then payday is like two weeks away and you can numb yourself by then so it doesn't need to hurt you. Or you can let that message really sit in your heart and let God speak to you. It's, it's, your, it's between you and God. It's nothing to do with, with me or anyone else. But there's something here for you to use because we're all going to be accountable to God. So for you to use for your reflection on your finances because there is that awesome picture of receiving abundantly as we give abundantly. So I encourage you to Spend time on that and do that. Jesus said the acid test of our love of him was where our treasure is. And we can't ignore that message. It has to sink into our heart. As a council, we're going to be doing the same exercise. We're going to be saying, as a church, where are we lavishly giving? Us, where are we investing? In, in whether it's in other churches, and other, where do we need to be doing those things and reflecting on it? Because as we give richly to God, we will receive richly. Let's pray. Jim Elliot, um, who was a missionary, he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. God, first we thank you for your abundance that you have poured out on each one of us. And those things that we have and your provision but more than that, in Jesus, in the life that we have, in the peace and the joy and the abundant living that we have in you. I thank you that you want to bless us even further as we are obedient to you. And I pray that this message may dwell in each one of our hearts. Lord, you've got a message for each one of us, and I know myself included, in terms of what it means to us. And Lord, may we be open to receiving it and be like that honeycomb, richly, sowing where you would have us. In Jesus' name, amen.